0: DW, Deutsche Welle Pulse. I worry about nothing. I am wearing a nodder. I'm sitting pretty and patient, but I know you got it.
1: Well, uh, what a great way to kick off uh, this show. Hello and a very warm welcome to Pulse. My name is Jane Nyinge, and for sure, we've got a special show lined up for you, starting with Zimbabwe. And with just a few days in office, what do young people think of the new president, Emmerson Mnangagwa, who is 75?
2: To me, really, he's not the full package like the president I expect. I expect somebody who is much younger and who surely knows what us young people need?
0: I think his age is a bit above par. His age does concern me, but I, I think uh, a lot of things will change. You will
1: also get to hear why many of Africa's problems are associated with bad leadership. For this and much more, please stick around for the next 20 minutes. Let's put it in a motion. I'm going to give you a promotion. I'll make it feel like a vacate turn the bed into an ocean. We don't need nobody. I just need your body. but
0: between us no getting off early.
1: Right, it's a new dawn in Zimbabwe. Many, especially the young people, are hopeful for a better future after Emerson Mnangagwa took over the presidency of the country, bringing to an end a 37 years of Robert Mugabe's leadership. But even before the dust settles, the new government has declared Mugabe's birthday that is February 21st to be a public holiday. This follows an intense lobbying by the Youth League of Zimbabwe's ruling ZANU-PF party. Joining me from Harare is DW's Privilege Mshaniri. Privilege, what do you make of this announcement?
0: It is now a point of debate. People are saying that it is rather unfair to declare a holiday of a man who has just uh, been uh, dismissed by the people saying that uh, he is no longer fit for office. So it is now a point of debate and people are saying that it was rather too early, and also the declaration it, it should have followed consultation of uh, the Zimbabwean citizens on what they think about declaring 21st February as a holiday.
1: Now, having said that, a uh, privilege uh, the new president Emerson Mnagangwa is expected to name his cabinet sometime this week. Is there a likelihood of seeing uh, more younger and fresh faces in his cabinet?
0: Already, there's been. Uh, some predictions of his cabinet and some of the names that are being brought into uh, the list um, very young people um, and these are not only coming from the uh, PF as a party they are also coming from the opposition but then some most of this is coming out through social media so it's yet to be seen whether you would truly incorporate young people into uh, the cabinet that is uh, most likely to be announced uh, this week.
1: Well, uh, given his age, uh, that is uh, 75 years, are young people able to identify with him? Emerson
0: Some people are just happy that they have a new face as a president. They are not minding about uh, his age. But uh, some of the young people that I've spoken to are actually saying that uh, at 75 years, they are not really sure whether he is going to be able to connect with uh, the issues that young people are facing. Most of them, they are looking forward, yes of course, for creation of jobs. I spoke to a few young people and this this is what they had to say.
2: To me, really, he's not the full package, like the president I expect. I expect somebody who is much younger and who surely knows what us young people need. But however, we can't write him off completely. We just have to wait and see what he brings on the table for us. I think his age is a bit above par. If the time that he has now till then, he doesn't make any proper moves to make sure that the youth are looking forward to an actual better Zimbabwe than just us talking to say, talking about a better Zimbabwe and no action
1: happening on the ground, his age will actually be a big factor, right? Just the same as uh, the former president was.
0: You hear that, Jane. Um You know, these young people, they are expressing that uh, they wished for a younger uh, president. But uh, for now, Zimbabwe is happy that they have uh, a new face.
1: Well said, they are privileged uh, because we know uh, young people constitute over 75% of uh, Zimbabwean population. Uh, What can you say are immediate problems facing them that uh, need to be addressed by the new government?
0: A couple of young people that I've spoken to, uh, some of them spoke about uh, being able to speak up their mind and uh, express themselves something that has not been uh, quite happening with the former president, uh, uh, Robert Mugabe, uh, where, you know, there was a clampdown on uh, freedom of expression and even uh, a clampdown of uh, people who would express themselves on social media. An opportunity to pursue our dreams. without being fearful. An opportunity to express ourselves and to question the government when they are wrong and to tell them where they are going wrong without being fearful of being victimised or being beaten up or disappearing like Itai Zamara. That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping this will be a new era in Zimbabwe. As a young person, I think one thing we all worry about is whether we'll get jobs even if we have degrees. And um, knowing the previous President and not really addressing some of those issues, but I, I think uh, a lot of things will change, and hopefully he will look into that as well.
1: Young people, they are expressing their expectations now that the country has a new president after 37 years of Robert Mugabe's leadership. Brother, you're right, you're right. Well, this is Pulse with me, Jen Nyinge, and yes, remember, you can be able to listen to this broadcast on our website, dwafrica.com, or our Facebook page, DWAfrica. Now, many of Africa's problems are associated with bad governance. But one organisation, Clean Africa, is trying to bring a change. For the past few years, it's been organising debates on good governance in various universities here in Germany. Both German and African students participate in the debates so that they can get a clear picture of the continent. Jenna Eko, who volunteers for the organisation, with the details from Stuttgart.
0: Preliminary rounds of the Good Governance Debate Series 2017 quarter-final round on the motion. This House believes fake news is the cause of refugees in the EU.
2: The Good Governance Debate Series, GGDS, is one of the projects run by Clean Africa, a student founded organization that was set up to promote community-level environmental awareness. Since 2012, the organization has been holding a series of debates on the subject of governance in Africa. This year, the debate centered around asking whether the refugee crisis is a result of a failed EU foreign policy or climate change. A state in the grip of neocolonialism. Denoa Sitole is a South African student of international taxation and law at the Ryan val University. She kicked off the debate by blaming Africa's current problems on the continent's colonial past and the continuation of Europe's influence on the continent's political and economic affairs even today. How can countries of the West today pose to give Africa a way forward, help to reduce poverty if in actual fact, looking at history, understanding history and what Africa has undergone, that colonialism has put African countries, South American countries in the position that it's in today? South America, Africa is poverty stricken because resources have been stripped from these continents. People have been enslaved because of these practices. How can you expect to introduce a development policy rather than compensating these continents with what is rightfully theirs? Georgina Milo, an American student at Frederick Alexandra University in Erlangen agreed. She too felt the EU's partnership agreement was a failure. For Georgina, Europe's unbalanced terms of trade have heavily impacted on Africa's markets.
1: No one here can question that there has been an economic failure overall by the EU to support the South the last 20 years. This can be seen easily through trade agreements that clearly make it advantageous for the EU in ways of prices where they offer lower prices to the global South, strict standards that cannot be met by the global south due to lack of support lack of funding and lack of resources
2: for the young debaters europe is responsible for africa's problems its unfriendly policies have sparked the migrant crisis hence europe too should find the solution but simone hockler hafner from the state ministry of baden-württemberg begged to differ
0: it is important for our society that we become aware of the impact of our modern lifestyle on other parts of the world that have not our possibilities of nourishing, mobility, and consumption. I wanted to demonstrate that governmental development assistance alone can't solve every problem. In order to solve problems, we have to know the roots of these problems. To know about the causes why refugees leave their country is the most important step to be able to face these challenges.
2: But the GGDS Forum is not just about promoting intellectual debate on the big topics, The politicians were here to bring weight to the debate and help train the rhetoric capabilities, assertiveness and debating talents of the students, essentially to incubate future leaders for both continents. Former alumni already hold public office in their home countries. One of them is George Akiliwara, who is now a policy analyst at the Integrated Social Development Centre in Ghana. This year's cohort hope to follow in their footsteps. I really like the debate series because I learned so much about Africa and about policies and what is happening there and even the names of the countries and I met some people from there. I think this has been a great experience for everyone because not only we had the chance to learn about debating and how to actually speak in public, but also we had the chance to meet beautiful, amazing people from all over the world with beautiful spirits and I think we had dealt with great um, important issues from Africa and Europe.
0: The experience has been a wonderful one. It has taught me to always believe in myself. Of course, we all know Africa is plagued with uh, so many uh, cases of underdevelopment, and the major cause basically is lack of uh, good governance. It's just a wake-up call for young guys like us to begin to promote upcoming leaders, because they are the leaders of tomorrow who are going to take positions of authority.
2: And as the students left after their week of debates, they were played out to Peruvian music, which had its roots on the African continent. That was meant to symbolize the main point of the debate series, that we can all find unity in diversity. For DW, this is Jen Ayeka-Kümet in Stuttgart, Germany.
1: Let's now shift our focus to the West African country of Senegal, which last year became a solar energy producing country. It's part of the country's plan to cut its greenhouse gas emissions and to provide electricity to the bulk of the population, which isn't connected to the grid. But one women's collective has beat the government to it by bringing small solar lamps to isolated communities. From Senegal, Emmanuel Lande reports.
3: Four women in colourful dresses sit under the shade of a tall mango tree at the entrance of Nutojombas village. On the floor mat on the dusty ground lies a pile of money, which the women are busy counting. Barely looking up as I approach, the women continue to neatly separate the different coloured notes. Still counting, Hadi Fai smiles at me and then gestures for me to sit down. These women are part of an all-female collective of about 3,000 members from 42 neighbouring villages. The way it works is that they buy small solar-powered lamps in bulk and resell them. And today, they're counting the profits, Hadi explains.
2: They are affordable. Even though we live in an area where people don't have much money, they do everything to buy them. We have definitely seen our
3: profits increase, which means we can get more lamps to resell. The portable lamps are shaped like flowers with bright yellow petals. They're designed to hang around the neck or on a hook. On one side is a small solar panel that, if left to charge for five hours in the sun, can produce more than 50 hours of light at the dimmest setting or four hours at its brightest. These lamps are vital in a country where 43% of urban households do not have access to electricity. In rural areas, it's as high as 70%. That means for most people, once the sun sets, their households are plunged into darkness. Chores and homework are often finished off by candlelight. Without light, conditions are hard, says Aram Jai, the eldest of the women's collective and matron at the nearby health centre.
2: One night, a girl left her village to go to TS because she was in labour. But she only got as far as our village. It was dark. We have no electricity. Except I had my solar lamp, so I put it around my neck
3: and I was able to help her give birth. Some villages have a basic energy supply thanks to small off the grid solar installations rolled out by the Senegalese government with support from the UN Development Programme, but not everyone has benefited. Inde Fatuindi is the president of the 3,000-strong women's collective of the commune of Nyoto, and she has big plans. Dans beaucoup de groupes maféminés, au sein de leurs villages, ils n'ont pas d'électricité.
2: Many women's groups don't have electricity in their village. All the members of the collective want a lamp each, that's our goal. We have just recently started, but the lamp has really helped improve our development, because in Noto there are 64 villages, but only 31 have electricity. Even the villages that have electricity buy the lamps for their rooms.
3: Njai Fatu's own house is connected to the grid but she still prefers to use a solar-powered lamp at night.
2: Since I bought a lamp, I use it at night to read instead of using electricity, because electricity is very expensive. With the lamp, it's free, and if you have it,
3: you can switch it on every day and every night. The solar lamps were invented by German solar company, Little Sun. Its aim is to empower rural communities by providing business opportunities and access to electricity, as Nafi Gay from Little Sun explains. To create a business you need funds, and if you don't come from a family that is capable of helping you financially, you need to go to the bank. And we know that banks are not always a solution, because they need guarantees. And so we come in to offer young people the possibility to sell our lambs, and to make a benefit from their sales, which helps also to combat unemployment. While Little Sun offers communities off-grid and small-scale energy solutions, at the national scale, Senegal is also starting to transition to cleaner energy. By December 2017, seven renewable energy projects will be created across the country. And by 2020, a wind farm northeast of Dakar is expected to be operational. Fal, president of the Renewable Energy Business Council, is confident the country can meet its great target of achieving energy independence by 2030. The overall objective that Senegal has set is to achieve energy independence, energy sovereignty
1: by 2030 in accordance with the goals set out in our national energy development plan.
3: For the women of Nuto-Jombas, tomorrow looks set to be powered by renewable energy one way or the other. For DW, Emmanuel in Thiès, Senegal.
1: What an incredible report to wrap up this week's show. Well, if you missed... Any bit of it, or you want to listen again, visit our website dwAfrica or our Facebook page dwAfrica. On behalf of the entire team here in Bonn, Germany, my name is Jen Nyinge. Thank you so so much for your time. Ooh. Mais t'inquiète pas j'assure tes arrières regarde Regarde-moi
2: et dis moi voir j'ai